My text is taken from Luke chapter 11, reading from verse 5. That's Luke chapter 11, reading from verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Which of you has a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine on his journey has come to me and I've nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you anything. I say to you, Though he will not rise and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any of you who is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, would you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is a wonderful passage of teaching by Jesus on prayer and receiving from prayer. I started in verse 5, but I could have started in chapter 11, verse 1, where we see that Jesus is praying and his disciples say to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, and that's when we get the Lord's Prayer. So these three parables that come after teach us how to pray and the Lord's Prayer, uh, the parable of the neighbor at the middle of the night reluctantly giving bread, the parable of ask and you receive, seek and you will find, Uh, knock and it will be opened, and the final parable of the child asking a parent for food and, and, and getting good stuff. These things are all together, and put them all together, the main theme of what Jesus is teaching you and I today is that God is willing and ready to answer your prayer. He's willing and ready, and this is just a whole section of encouragement to keep praying and you will receive. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that you don't pray more than you pray? Now, that could mean many things to many different people because some of you might be consider yourselves major prayer warriors. Uh, others of you might say, well, I, I barely pray. I, I, I might offer up a few uh, words to God when there's a problem, but really, um, my prayer life isn't something I really want to talk about. Well, we're talking about it today. And my question is, at whatever level you think you are in prayer, why don't you pray more than you pray. Well, there can be different responses to this. Uh, one, uh, probably one of the major reasons that people don't pray more than they pray 
is they don't deep in their heart really believe that their prayers are going to work and make a substantial difference. We know in our minds that we should pray, but do we know in our hearts and our experiences that prayer changes things? Some people have prayed and felt that God had let them down. Well, I prayed for some situation. I prayed for something in specific, and I still have, have yet to receive it. I'm discouraged. God didn't hear my prayer. I'm not encouraged to pray anymore. Others are thinking, well, there's no change. I've prayed, and I haven't seen anything. Others might, at a deeper level, even question God's willingness and love for them as an individual. They might be saying to themselves, well... Maybe God doesn't really care for me. I had a, a text in one of the services earlier today, not a text, but an email in response from somebody watching online, and, one of the th and we're praying for them, and one of the things they were saying was, I just feel that God has given up on me and that God isn't there for me. They were in, discouraged. And so people may not pray because they don't think it works. They're not sure that God is really interested. They've been discouraged They've given up, they've been there, tried that. Um, and so this passage address, addresses your concerns. Can we really expect God to answer prayer? And the answer is yes, just don't give up. In fact, when you look at the way that Luke chapter 11 has been designed, we have the Lord's Prayer, the greatest prayer ever uttered. You can take each line of the Lord's Prayer and you can just flow with the Holy Spirit praying that thing. I mean, uh, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. I mean, you can pray that for ev absolutely anything that you can think of. The question is, will his will be done when you pray it? Our daily bread, give us our daily bread. The question is, will he bring us the provision that we're praying for? Deliver us from ev the evil one. Will he really deliver us? If, so when we pray the Lord's Prayer and all the different aspects of human life that is included in the Lord's Prayer, will he answer that prayer in all its forms and movings? Will he answer? And the rest of this passage is, yes, he will. The first uh, parable that we have is this neighbor's bread. And there's a picture, there's a neighbor, and uh, a friend comes to him at midnight, he's hungry, he's starving, he's been on the road for many days, he gets to his friend's house, and he's got no bread, they've eaten it all during supper time. And so he goes to his neighbor, and he knocks on the door. Now, what you see is the neighbor's response is less than helpful, isn't it? Less than helpful. And so, here's one neighbor seeking asking and knocking for another neighbor to supply a need. And the neighbor that he's asking, the neighbor that he's seeking early, uh, late at night, the neighbors on whose door that he's knocking is not in a very good mood or generous feeling in order to give him what he wants. Now, when you read the passage, as you go down, it, you know, you hear him and he says, don't trouble me, the door's shut, my children are asleep, I can't rise to give you anything. Then in verse 8, it says, I say to you, although he will not rise and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. Now, that phrase, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs, you can translate that two ways. 
You can translate it the first way, which I've got in my version, that the persistence of the neighbour knocking on the door and perhaps not going away and keeping not, that persistence got him the bread. You can read it that way, and that flows well with the next verse. But probably, actually, it means something slightly different. The word there isn't so much persistence as shame. So if you read it as shame, it's talking about the person inside the house. Because he is shamed, uh, he will give him as much as he needs. Now, you have to realize that in this culture, the that as Jesus told this parable, those that heard it as he first taught it would be amazed that the neighbor would not give bread to his neighbor, even if, even if it was at midnight. That the rules and the uh, etiquette of looking after one another, it would be unthinkable in Jesus' time that if your neighbor in a small village knocked on your door, whatever time it was, and asked for some bread, that you wouldn't give it to them. It's slightly different in Western culture. We tend not, we, I mean, I get embarrassed even, th even thinking I've run out of sugar. Well, I'm a diabetic, but in the old days, when I'd run out of sugar for my tea, I'd be like, well, next door, they've got some sugar. Oh, I don't want to disturb them. Oh, shall I disturb them? Oh, I don't know if they disturb You know, even to get some flour or something like that, I'll be having this internal Englishman struggle, you know, about shall I, even though I know that they will say, yeah, sure, but there's that, there's that struggle. So when, when I read this from my culture, I think, my mind thinks, why would you knock someone up at 12 o'clock at night when their kids are in bed? But not their culture. So in this, so in, in this understanding, what's happening is, is the person is thinking, I don't want to do it. My kids are in bed. I don't want to be disturbed. This is what he's thinking. This is what he's saying to himself. But if it gets out that I didn't help my neighbor when they wanted my help, the whole village will know, and it will be embarrassed, ashamed, so I'm going to do it. So either way works. The persistence of the person knocking or the, or the person being so ashamed that he does it purely out of, of shame. He doesn't want to be shamed if he's found out. Either way, does the neighbour who's giving the bread have a right attitude? A good attitude? A godly attitude? No. So why is Jesus using this as an example? Because he's saying, hey, God is not like this grumpy neighbour who doesn't want to give you anything, isn't interested. God's not like that. God's attitude towards you and your needs and your prayers, and your concerns, is nothing like this grumpy neighbour's at all in any way, so don't think that it is. Then it moves into the next parable, a picture. And I tell you in verse 9, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. We just had a picture of the grumpy neighbor. We could add to that type of parable. Ever heard of the parable of the persistent widow and the grumpy judge? Do you remember that? And the judge doesn't care about justice at all. He's corrupt, he's nasty, he's selfish. But what does the widow do? She keeps knocking, she keeps pressing in, she keeps pushing. And in the end, what does he do? He answers her petition, not because he cares about her, but he wants rid of her. That's another picture. God is not an unjust judge. 
God cares about the circumstances that, that, you, that you find yourself in. God cares about the way that you're mistreated. God cares and he sees. And if that unjust judge and that grumpy old neighbour provided, how much more will God, who loves you so much he gave his only son for you, cares for you, how much more will he answer your prayers? But you've got to ask and keep asking. You've got to seek and keep seeking. You've got to knock and keep knocking. In fact, the, the tense in the Greek, the New Testament was first written in Greek, and in the Greek, the Greek tense is ask and continue to ask. Uh, seek and continue to seek. Sometimes you see this in your study Bibles. Knock and continue to knock. I think Many people stumble at the keeping on, keeping on. People throw up a prayer or two, uh, and then they don't persist in that prayer. They don't ask and keep asking. They don't seek and keep seeking. They don't knock and keep knocking. And uh, uh, the, the whole sort of like phrase is an, in, is an increasing intensity, isn't there? You're asking. Now you're intensifying. You're seeking. Now you're intensifying, you're knocking. There's an intensifying aspect to these prayers. Well, I think some people think, well, why do I have to ask and keep asking? Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Is God not interested enough to hear me the first time? Does God not care? Why, why, is, why is he making me wait? Why do I have to be like the persistent widow? Is God like an, an unjust judge? Why do I have to be a persistent neighbour, if you give it that reading, where I, where I have to persist with a grumpy old... Is God like that grumpy neighbour that we've just read about and I have to keep rattling heaven and knocking? And Do I have to make a fuss for God to hear me? You see, I think sometimes that's the psychology that works. God's not interested. Why do I have to keep asking? God doesn't care. God's not able. God's not willing. God's not ready to hear my prayer. All these things, these thoughts and attitudes, and sometimes they're not there in the forefront of your mind, but they're lodged even deeper in the background of your mind, where choices and decisions are normally made. But listen. The act of intercession is an end in itself. That's worthy of writing down if you're making notes. The act of praying or the act of intercession is an end in itself. Sometimes we focus so much on the getting, we forget the benefits of actually praying. The greatest changes that have taken place in my character as a Christian, as a growing Christian, have been through asking, seeking, and knocking. You see, something happens to you when you pray and keep praying. Something changes in you when you ask and keep asking. Something develops in your character, personality, when you knock and keep knocking. We see this principle as one of the main principles of being a mature Christian. Many of us have heard Dr. R.T. Kendall, haven't we, many times on dignifying the trial, on the fact that God is trying to work patience and endurance 
in our lives. I mean, the whole book of James that is all about how to deal with the difficulties and trials of life. It says, uh, you know, um, be of good cheer when you fall into different trials and tests because these trials will produce patience, endurance, and then you will be mature, lacking in nothing, you see. So the process of trusting God when it doesn't happen instantaneously, but still trusting, still believing, that process is one of the, if not the key, of maturing and growing you as a Christian. The key. So the asking and keep on asking, will radically change your life. Radically. Prayer changes you. Prayer grows you. Prayer matures you. Let me expand this a little little bit more. In fact, actually, when you've sought, when you've prayed and kept praying, asked and kept asking, seeked and kept seeking, knocked and knocked, when, when you actually get what you've prayed for, it's in the will of God, and you finally receive, it's such a blessing to receive, but if you look back, the greater blessing is what's happened to you while you asked and kept asking. The greater thing that has happened, the greater miracle, is not the miracle of answered prayer, but the miracle of what's taken place in your life as you've sought the Lord and kept seeking, knocked and kept knocking. God is more interested in the process than in the receiving. Because God can give you anything, anytime, just like that. But we have to be careful. God will answer quickly. I'm not saying he won't. But, but Jesus here is teaching us to pray and saying, don't stop, keep going, keep trusting. You see, sometimes quick answers, what can happen is, quick answers from prayer, you can get low levels, sorry, you get low levels of great, gratefulness. So if you got everything that you wanted instantaneously, chances are you might get spoiled. You know what I'm saying? Like a little child going into a toy shop, I want that toy, okay. Straight away gets the toy. I want that toy, it's yours. I want that toy, it's yours. Next day, I want that toy on the television, I'll order it on the phone right now. Can you imagine if a child got everything it asked for instantaneously, what would happen? Well, there'd be a whole toy box full of toys only played with once, wouldn't there? Yet you know that if you went to some poor child that's got nothing and you gave them just a little toy, that toy would be treasured. Treasured, not just for days, but weeks, months. I was, I was reading a book about a poor family in Germany and how that uh, uh, a couple of the girls, this is way back between the wars, uh, and they had nothing. They, they just lived up on a hill, they had nothing. And one day for Christmas, uh, one of the wealthy landowners bought them each a doll. They couldn't believe what they'd got. It was the most incredible thing. In fact, the doll was so special that mother would only bring it out on Sundays. Because it was so special. It was so appreciated. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? What Jesus is saying to you, I believe, through this word. I tell you what. When you get something that you've learned to long for, sought for, asked for, believed for, been patient for, pressed in for, not only are you changed throughout the process, which is the most important thing, but when it comes... Isn't it the most beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing ever? Why? 
Because during the asking, the seeking, your desire has been finely honed by the Holy Spirit so that when it comes, you're so grateful because you've been waiting for it, seeking for it. And now when it comes, you won't so easily just take it for granted. You know what? The Holy Spirit is the most taken-for-granted person on the face of the earth. The gifts of God are so easily taken for granted. I mean, every generation has to learn itself how to ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, seek and keep seeking. You know, thank God for Kensington Temple as it is today and the fact that we can enjoy this ministry together, one with another. But over the years, you, you see times and seasons where people put a great amount of sacrifice and prayer into the ministry, and they paid for it in tears before the altar of God, in giving before the altar of God, in serving before the altar of God. And uh, that sacrifice, that prayer, what did it produce? It produced, they got what they prayed for. And in fact, many of us are receiving the answers in Kensington Temple's ministry today of people that were praying way back in the middle 1800s when they looked at this area of Notting Hill Gate uh, in a church down the road and said there's no place for them to go or to be ministered to. They prayed, they wept, they gave, they planted. Here we are today. So this is a powerful principle. I believe there's prayers that, that I'm praying today on a regular basis that perhaps I'll never see in my generation, but I'm, I believe in God and knowing God that maybe people in the coming generation will be able to ride off some of these prayers that I'm praying as I'm asking and seeking and knocking for this nation and for other things. A quick answer can tend to us treating things in, in a low value. So, for example, when revival breaks out, usually the revival comes because God has done a great work of asking and seeking and knocking in a heart first. And these askers, seekers, knockers, asking and seeking and knocking for the Holy Spirit to come. And they just keep praying. They just keep praying. And they won't give up. And it's the Holy Spirit inside them that's doing it. This isn't something that you manufacture. It's something that you, relate, you release. Listen to me. Prayer is an anointing. That doesn't mean you're waiting for some feeling to come. But what happens is when you begin to pray in God's will, then God begins to empower your prayers. It's a spiritual thing. It's a Holy Ghost. It comes from a deep yearning and desiring. You see, if you're asking and asking, if you're seeking and seeking and knocking and knocking, I tell you somebody who's doing that, what's happening? Their desire levels are increasing. Sometimes we look at our desire levels and, well, we just don't want to pray. Well, sometimes that's because we don't realize or haven't experienced what happens when you do pray. When you do pray, you begin to change and things begin, begin to happen. How many can testify of a time when you prayed and you prayed, nothing happened to begin with, but then you saw exactly what you pray for come to pass and there was no doubt in your mind that you'd received answer from prayer? 
That is one of the most marvelous, wonderful experiences that you can have as a Christian, to have sought God and seen him change things, mitigate things, interfere with things, overrule things. What's happening? His kingdom is coming on earth from heaven, and you're the vehicle. And when, they, when you see somebody that prays and keeps praying, you've got someone that's got a hunger here. You say, I don't have a hunger for prayer. It's because you haven't yet discovered the wonderful riches of prayer. I remember one book I was reading, and it was on prayer. Oh, it was Calvin. It was John Calvin uh, teaching on prayer. And he said that prayer goes to the field and digs up the buried treasures of the kingdom of God. And that really hit me powerfully. I thought, wow. So there are treasures that are buried, as it were, and I can dig them up in prayer. And if I dig them up in prayer, I and others will experience treasures. The kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. Treasures that they would not experience without it. Could it be that, that many people in the church, I speak generally today, the church today, have such low experiences of God because there's such low general seeking, general asking, and general knocking? If Jesus says, ask and you will receive, keep seeking and you will find, knock and it will open. If Jesus is saying these things, how much in our lives and experiences and persons and hearts and situations, how much more could we be enjoying of the treasures of the kingdom right now? I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. Also, please, Understand when we talk about motivations that keep you asking and asking and seeking and seeking. It's a Holy Spirit thing, but at the same time, listen, your frustrations, the frustrations that you have right now are fuel for your prayer life. Your disappointments, listen to me, your disappointments are fuel for your prayer life. Your despair your anger is fuel for your prayer life. Your hurt is fuel for your prayer life. Your sadness, fuel for your prayer life. Your fear is fuel for your prayer life. You say, what do I mean? These things, these so-called negative emotions that trouble us all at various times, these things can be turned into positive intercession. So I found that when fears come upon me, when I'm fearful, worried about the future, worried about a situation, worried about a person, that worry just can go around your mind like a buzzing bee, can't it? It can keep you awake at night, can't it? We've all been there, we all know what anxiety and fear and worry can do. But I am learning that as I turn those fears into asking, seeking and knocking, after a while, those fears have been turned into believing prayer. I'm covering the thing with prayer. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm pouring out my concerns. And as I pray, I've had times, not all the time, but I've had times where I've just had confidence come into my heart. Or I've had the feeling, you know, I've covered this with prayer today. I can walk in confidence. God has listened. God is not the grumpy old neighbour who won't give me bread. God is not the evil old judge who won't give. God is 100% committed to providing for me. So these negative emotions, I've known people, and myself, 
carrying negative emotions. You can carry these negative fears, worries, concerns, anger, bitterness, all these negative things. You can carry them for days, weeks and months and those things are eating you up and eating up your experience of enjoying life, eternal life. But if you turn them out to the Father, not only are you beginning to deal with those issues, but you're also beginning to deal with the situations you're concerned about. Oh, the blessings of persistent prayer coming out of angers, frustrations, concerns, disappointments, fears and sadness. That's fuel. That's energy. And you might pray out of fear, worried, I'm caught, oh, I don't know what I'm do. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. Well, just keep praying. The Holy Spirit will get involved in your prayer. And you might have to do it day by day or week by week, but you will solve your fear and anxiety problems. And not only that, you will be prayed into all of those areas, the blessings of God. Soak your desert with rain from heaven. Oxygenate your suffocating life with the wind of heaven. This came to me as I was praying once. Um, my favourite prayer, well, after my, the perfect prayer that we'll come to, my favourite prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. If you don't know what to pray about a person, a situation, a circumstance, if you don't know what to pray, just pray that. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life and circumstances as it is in heaven. Man, that prayer never fails. That, that is the greatest prayer you can pray. And guess what? He's listening. He's listening. He's not asleep with the kids, not opening the door. All right? He's not unjust. This is the point. He's going to hear you. And also, when there's a delay in prayer, not only is it God's plan, but, but God, you know what is it, the preacher's phrase, God is never late, he's always on time. He may not be early, but he's never late. He's always on time. He knows the exact moment that that prayer is turned into answer. And he has to get you ready. I don't know about you, but some of the things I'm praying for, I need to, God needs to get me ready for. I think of some of the things I prayed for earlier on in my Christian life. I'm so glad they didn't come then. I couldn't handle them. <laughs> you know, God, use me in revival. <laughs> Not yet, son. Not yet, daughter, because you wouldn't be able to handle what you're asking for right now. But keep on praying, because that's a good prayer, and I will work in you until the moment comes when I'm ready to release. God has timings. God has workings. God has preparings. And he's not delaying just for the sake of it. He is, uh, he, he is second perfect in his delivery of prayer. Once you begin to know that he's a good God, a good God, then you begin to trust in his circumstances that are in your life. I said oxygenate your suffocating life. I was praying, and as I was praying, I was thinking about the kingdom of heaven, and then I thought about the Holy Spirit. It was, I was in a room, and the wind was just coming in, and it was blowing the curtain a bit. It was a lovely wind, as we were feeling some of it coming through the doors right now. If you, the old timers know where to, where to sit in the seats. They know, where, they know where the cool air is going, don't they, Emma? The old timers are there. And, and the breeze was just coming in. And I felt this breeze, and it would stop, and it would come, and it would be strong. And I thought to myself, you know, the wind blows where it wants. And I thought, I'm so grateful for that breeze. Because if that breeze wasn't blowing, then it would be very stagnant in this room that I'm sitting in. And then I thought, I'm not thinking scientifically, but then I thought, what if there was no wind in the earth? 
I thought, what would that be like? Nothing ever, no fresh breeze, any time, ever. I thought, I bet that would be an ecological disaster. I don't, clouds wouldn't move, all these things. I thought, what if there was no wind everywhere? I thought, thank God for a fresh wind. And then I thought, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. He blows where he wants. And then I thought, wow, what, what I really would like in my, ha- my life is a fresh wind from heaven. You know, open the windows of heaven... And then out of heaven comes a fresh, cool breeze of the Holy Spirit. Breeze coming in me and through me and refreshing me and and getting out the bad stuff, the sort of stale air in my life. Nobody wants to be in a deoxygenated environment where there's no oxygen, you're feeling tired and sleepy. I went up a mountain in Bavaria on my holiday with my son Jake, it was the last day, went really high up with a cable car, and then we started walking where the cable car stopped. And we were well high up in this big plateau. And uh, we went for a walk, and we went down a little bit into a valley, high, high up there. And then on the way back, we started climbing back up to the cable car. And I found I couldn't breathe. When I say I couldn't breathe, I found it hard to breathe because of the lack of oxygen at that um, height. And so I was like, and it wasn't that I was tired, I just couldn't get enough oxygen in my lungs. And Jake, just because he's younger than me, he was doing all right. And he kept talking to me. And he wouldn't stop. We'll get, we'll get there in a minute. He kept talking to me. And I kept going, and I'm... <sighs> and he kept talking. And I started to get a little bit annoyed because he kept talking to me. And I'm going, yeah, 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 it'd be great. Yeah, we'll eat at the other place. Yeah. <sighs> and in the end, I just couldn't. I just said, <sighs> can't talk, breathing. <laughs> and, and there wasn't enough oxygen. And I thought later, we need the oxygen of heaven in this stale air and environment that we live in. And prayer oxygenates your life. There's asking, the seeking, the knocking. I'm telling you, this, it, it, you know, even if you don't get what you get when you're praying, prayer is an end in itself, I've found. It oxygenates your personality. It sets crooked things right. It works deep in your life. It interacts with the Holy Spirit and energy oxygenating this air, oxygenating the ministry of Kensington Temple, oxygenating London, oxygenating it with air from heaven. I thought that was a nice thing. That really blessed me and has helped me. Now, we move on now to the third where, where, we, where we, we see this picture of parent-child or father-child father here. It could be a mother, but they're using the father who was at this time meant to provide for the whole of the family. And you've got the picture of the child asking for something good. And Jesus saying, well, you know, a decent father, would that father give you something bad? So, for example, if a... Uh, if, a, if a son asks for bread, let's have a look at that. If a son were to ask for bread, there's a picture of beautiful wholemeal bread up there. If a son was to ask for bread, fresh bread, would his father give him a stone? You see? Very simple teaching here today at Kensington Temple. But... Some people are thinking that God's going to give them a stone. Some people think that asking God to do something in their life, to do a breakthrough, to change, to to come and to answer prayer, it'd be like asking for, for bread and getting a stone. But listen to me, God's going to give you bread. God's going to give you bread. The next 
again, again, it's asking. It's the motivation we're looking at. What if somebody asks for fish? Let's see some fish. <laughs> Father, please may I have some fish? <laughs> now, that is a fish. It's none of these little slices with bits of parsley on it. It's got proper batter, mushy peas, tartar sauce, thick chips, even a bit of lemon to squeeze over it. Oh, how many fancies and fish and chips? I love fish and chips. You ask fish and chips? Well, what sort of father would give a snake? Oh. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine someone giving, can I have fish and chips? Yep, just, just sit down. I'll be with you in a minute, son. <laughs> or, can I have some bread? Yeah, here. Just go, here, catch that rock. Okay. And then finally, what if someone asks for an egg? What kind of eggs have we got? Oh, yes. Egg, bit of bacon under there, I think. Lovely pepper there. Don't like the green stuff, but don't worry about that. It's the egg. So that. But can you imagine if you offered him a scorpion? Oh. Can you imagine giving a kid, here you are, I'm having one of those little plate things on top of the plate. Voila! Thing jumps out and stings it. Now, I know these are simple illustrations. Jesus gave them. But he says, if, if you then being evil, and this is powerful, the best that we do compared to God is evil. I mean, Jesus is saying, look, a decent parent, a half-decent parent is going to give bread, it's going to give eggs, it's going to give fish, not going to give stones, not going to give a dangerous serpent, not going to give a scorpion. That's the best of you. And before God, you are all totally evil compared to him. You, and, and you think, wait, wait a second, I'm not evil. You think, parents aren't evil. My, my parents are quite nice. My parents would give me egg, fish, bread. Yeah, true. But what Jesus is saying, but compared to the goodness, generosity, and willingness of your Father in heaven, as good as these parents might be, they are evil. It's a, it's a diff, totally different character, a, a category, sorry. Do you see what I'm saying? God is so willing to answer prayer. God is so willing. He's put placed prayers within you. He wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. He wants you to knock. He wants the Lord's prayer in all its forms and its different directions to be in our hearts and on our lips. He wants to change us through intercession and he wants to give us. No doubt, if we ask God, God will answer. And I'm talking about asking according to his will. All right? And, and, and most of the good stuff from God, you know what God wants to do in your life. Let's start with that. Although sometimes it's amazing what God will give you. I spent three, three years praying for a car. A particular car. It's out there right now. It's Golf GTI. Three, second hand. Three years praying for that particular car. <laughs> second hand. But it's the one I wanted. Three years. Three years, just praying for it. It wasn't everything, every, it wasn't, it didn't, it hadn't grabbed me. But every so often I'd just say, and you know that car I'd like, Lord. 
It's one of those GTIs, Model 5, whatever it is. GT I'd love one of those, a red one with three doors. I'd, you know that. And I'd, I didn't think it was wrong praying that. It wasn't my main prayer, but I did it. And three years, this thing, I just happened to be looking at the uh, used cars, and it appeared. And it must have been stuck in someone's garage for about 10 years because it hardly done any, and it was an incredible price that I could afford without going into, you know. So I'm saying God answers, is, is, is in concerned with everything, the little things and the big things. But I, I'm really talking about the big things today, the major things that God wants to do. And finally, we come to what I would call the perfect prayer. And it's the last bit here. Look, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit or give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That is the perfect prayer. Father, give me the Holy Spirit. Another way of praying that prayer is your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven because it's the Holy Spirit that is the bridge between heaven and Earth, I like in the Zondervan exegetical commentary that I was studying this in last week, it says this. The boundary between heaven, where God's name and reign are sanctified and acknowledged, and Earth, where God's name and reign are profaned and ignored, the boundary uh, is bridged by the Holy Spirit, who transforms space and time. The Holy Spirit is the channel of God's grace and mercy. So the prayer that I'm praying most at this time is, Father, give us the Holy Spirit. That's the prayer I pray most for you and for Kensington Temple and for the church in Britain and, and in Europe. Father, send more of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not just talking about like miracles and signs and wonders. Those things, as importantly, are they're very secondary to me. The Holy Spirit working in our hearts, working in people's lives, touching them with salvation, showing them the way, helping them, healing them, making them whole. More of the Holy Spirit. And I am so encouraged that the perfect prayer, more of the Holy Spirit, because he'll bring everything with him that we need from God. He'll open the windows and bring with him God's grace, God's healing, God's mercy, God's ministry, God's strength. He can come and make a way where there's no way. He can fill the valley and lay low there. He can do it all, he, more than anything. And, and if we ask for the Holy Spirit, even the things we don't know we should be praying for, he's going to come and he's going to do it. It's the most wonderful prayer. It's the perfect prayer. It's the prayer that we know he's going to answer. Isn't it wonderful? God's not going to give you a scorpion. God's not going to give you a stone. But when you pray, and especially when you ask, especially when you ask for the Holy Spirit's influence in your life and circumstances, and hey, the Holy Spirit is Lord over planet Earth. He is God's executive on Earth today. Do you know that? Jesus is praying in heaven, the Father is in heaven, but the Holy Spirit's the one, and he can do anything he wants to on the Earth. And when we begin to pray in his name and his will, we're releasing the powerful Holy Spirit himself into our lives and circumstances. We're letting the lion loose. We're letting the lion loose and the lion's on our side. That lion of the Holy Spirit will ravage the devil, but he will just cuddle and lick us. He's going to look after us. 
Be encouraged. God is sending fresh encouragements in prayer in your life. Oxygenate your week to come. Turn your frustrations, your worries, your concerns into prayer. If you don't know how to pray, come along on a Wednesday night when, it, when you feel like. Wednesday night, I'm telling you, we storm heaven. If you don't know how to pray, if you don't know how to break through, just join us on whatever Wednesday night you want to come. And we will pray and we will teach you and you'll feel yourself in a prayer anointing or downstairs for half an hour, quarter past five to quarter past six. But I'm not pushing these things saying, ah, I've said all this so you join these things. I pray that God's anointed. Let's pray. Just where you are, just receive. I'm not asking you to pray right now. I'm asking you to receive. I pray. We pray for you. You watching and you here. I pray for you. I pray for you the prayer that God would give you his Holy Spirit in fresh waves to work inside your character and your heart and to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the Holy Spirit's encouragement to bring out of you the intercessor that you really are deep in your hearts. I pray that the Holy Spirit would turn all your negatives into prayerful positives. I pray that God will visit you with the wind from heaven to oxygenate your spiritual life, your physical life and your circumstances. I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring his will and that it will be done in your heart and life. I pray for us all that we would experience deep in the inside of our lives an increasing Holy Spirit revolution. I pray that the Holy Spirit, by his grace, would turn us into askers, seekers, and knockers. I pray that God will visit us in this day and cause us to become those that pray without ceasing, that know the victories of prayer and turn them into further prayer. I pray that the Father will have mercy upon us and that this passage in Luke will increasingly become our daily experience. I pray for us. Pray for us all. Pray for us all. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Prayer. Prayer will release destiny. Prayer will release the kingdom of God. Don't ever doubt your father. If he delays, it's for a perfect plan. He will answer that which he puts on your heart. If you believe it, say amen. 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 God bless you.